15. This is Clips North Sound full. 10 seconds. Ready, live open. Five to clip. Three, two, one. Roll Clips North track. Welcome to the live TD podcast. Talking television, broadcast, switchers, and video tech. With your host, Justin Melnick. Roll Red Track. Welcome, Les, to the Live TD podcast. Uh, we're here at Ross Video Headquarters in Ottawa, Canada. Les, why don't you tell us about what your role is here? Yeah, uh, so I'm Les O'Reilly. I'm the marketing product manager for Production Switchers. Um, my job is to be our customer advocate, um, would be my primary kind of way to think about it. Um, my job is to... Uh, lead the direction of our production switchers. Now we're lucky, we have a lot of influences. David Ross still actively walks down. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if at some point he comes in, but uh, not knowing, just yeah. he's like, hey, I need, happens Sweet. all the time. So David, uh, Nigel Spratling, who's our VP, so he's in charge of our business units for both servers as well as production switchers. Um, Rob's our, our technical product manager, we have a large group of people, but we also have all of our demo and trainers who also, of course, interfere uh, with us on a daily basis. And yes, interfere. Yeah. When you do this, oh my God. Yeah, I've been so, on shows where they say, text, text less, just uh, see what's there. Yeah, so we've got a lot of constant inflow of information. And so our job is to try to lead the teams um, I am responsible for Acuity, for Carbonite, for Graphite. So we do have a large number of production switchers um, in, in our stable. And we don't have separate teams, so to speak, for those. It is one, um, one group, which is good because we want to try to keep consistencies across the products. Sure. We want to try to uh, maintain releases and, and keep things in, in a proper direction without getting into say internal competition absolutely like, too many cooks in the kitchen why are you competing against the same product yeah and, and the same space so that's my job my job is basically to define the product scope and and where we're going and i do all that based on feedback from people coming up with new ideas um from that hey these are the things we need to do okay how are we going to do that but then also, more importantly, is liaising with the other product groups in Ross Video. One of our biggest strengths is how we work as a workflow tool set, especially when you go into the live stadium environment, the live event environment, where you'll see a ton of Ross Video products. That isn't just because, oh, well, Ross Video came in and gave some big discount and they packaged it all together. No, we sold a workflow solution. Um, and so our job a lot of time is to work with all the teams to deploy solutions yeah. so our product managers are also working with and amongst all of the other teams as well right and so, that's super evident in the way that dashboard creates an ecosystem and all of your products from expression to the switchers and the ultrix like everything just really can move together and that's kind of what's unique about ross right I, I think that's unique in our approach. And if you look at how um, David grew the company, it makes sense. So there's the organic growth, building products internally, but then there were the acquisitions. And there's been a ton 
he's he's acquired a ton of companies as we've moved forward but every single piece was a complementary item to the core of what we do which is live production right we're all about live right well as they as he added and and we expanded it was always something that complemented and fit a hole or fit a piece where we just didn't have uh something that fit in or there was the opportunity to really go after the market in in that space right or we saw a deficiency hey you know the solution is missing this sure um we really need something dashboard though i think is a great example of a product that because it's free people think well it's free so what does it do and once you get into it anybody who's used dashboard goes hold why is this free yeah there's other vendors there's like companies and their whole thing in life is this yeah like that's what they make and they make money off of it we are using that it's like giving away osx on a mac Mm -hmm. right the idea is you start using this and all the pieces plug together before you know it you're you're going to choose our product and that's going to be because hey it's going to plug into the ecosystem right now we're not super expensive we're reasonably priced we're we're good market value so that's another thing where people are like well but you're different you're not doing it so that you lock us into you know, charging yes. us four times the amount for the more expensive thing. It's just dashboard has become that glue for our products. Um, and it really is a part of the ecosystem to the point where even that team recently held, a, you know, an overall development summit with all of the groups where we all got together, you know, all vying for, we need these features done. Yeah. And, and so it's neat because that's, what creates a great priority as opposed to that product having a priority being no 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 i have this market vertical this is what i have to do to make money instead that product's mandate is how do we make the best ecosystem for all definitely and it's open to a ton of other vendors there's over 130 vendors that are part of the dashboard connect platform so we have a lot of vendors that have access they sign up they sign the agreement now they have access to the ogp protocol and they can interact not only with dashboard but dashboard devices right so if another vendor wanted to talk to dashboard devices things that talk to dashboard they also could just simply become a dashboard connect partner right and now they get access so we have automation vendors who want to talk to carbonate switchers they call me up oh do you have like a protocol i'm like yeah here here's dashboard they're like Wait, <laughs> that's it. I, I don't understand, but am I? Out, but I need I need access to everything because I'm doing automation. Yeah, you know, play out automation, but they want to use the carbonite switcher because of squeezebacks and DVEs and stuff. We're like, yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's everything. Yeah, it's like your dashboard. Right, right. So uh, one quick question about that: I've seen on Cayenne's that they have the expression menu. Like you can actually set up a device that's an expression. It'll connect it via the IP. That's just the IP address, or are they actually using some OGP for that? No, th- that's that's not the, the that menu. They have raw. They're using Rostock. They are using Rostock. So they're using Rostock. Rostock is is actually open and available. Rostock was created to create a simplified method for sending messages between devices. Yep. When 
it's a name because when people asked what's the protocol, you'd say TCP IP. Yeah. No, 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 no. But what's the protocol? So yes, we called it Ross Talk. When we did that, it was because we wanted a, a means to send simple messages between VDCP, AMP, and a lot of the other protocols that are out there. There is a lot of handshaking and going back and forth because they came out of a serial day. Even mm -hmm. AMP was originally serial. Before right. AMP, Advanced Media Protocol, that was actually Odetics. It's actually an extension based off of like Odetics. Odetics was extended off of Betacam VTR protocol. All of those things were based off of a serial protocol and there was a lot of handshaking. There was a lot of checksum. There was a lot of making sure that the data was all present. With TCP IP, the IP infrastructure is, man is maintaining that. TCP IP gives you guaranteed packet delivery. If you're using UDP, you don't have that. But with TCP, you do have guaranteed packet delivery. It will send it. If the packet drops, it'll send it again. Gotcha. So it knows, hey, you didn't get it to me. Send it to me. Right. And inside of that, it also manages, you know, the checksum and, and, and the summing. The message is, is guaranteed. If it's corrupt, it throws away the packet and, and says, give it to me again. So when you send the message, it it always goes it, yeah. it, it's guaranteed so now we were just creating a, an easier method for for sending that that sure. stuff now of course that does open up the problem that as we're moving more into an IT IP based workflows and bigger broader networks security is going to come up hmm. and so we have Rostock EX for our own Ross products um, which we use which is encrypted and allows us to to deal with that. So we have some customers that um, have have taken some problem with, oh, it's it's open. Somebody gets into our network, they could like send messages. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like, okay. So we also have Ross Talk EX, which is um, a Ross only. It's not available to the public just because we have to be able to move and change. And also it's how we maintain our encryption. Sure. So there'll be some people who are like, oh, you're blocking everybody. It's like, no, there's Ross Talk. You can still send messages. Yeah. Um, but then there's Rostock EX. Um, so back to your thing, Rostock is not um, OGP. So uh, OGP, because originally it was Open Gear Protocol. Yep. That's what Dashboard Speaks is OGP. Got it. Got it. Yep. And so when we're talking about these switchers, um, I think it's it's cool that you have you you have to as a good TD, you'll want to use features in Dashboard. You'll want to use features that come with other devices if they're available to you. Those are tools that you should definitely have as a part of your arsenal. Um, so Talking about switchers, for someone who maybe is unfamiliar with Ross, who's looking at buying a switcher, we talked about three, there's three different types of switchers right now that are on the highest level. I really want to focus on um, Acuity and Carbonite though. Mm -hmm. um, so if someone has, uh, we'll just, just go through kind of what the new Carbonite Ultra is kind of the standard, right? I heard Nigel say NAB um, that if, if you're looking for the IOs that the Carbonite offers, there's really nowhere else to look. Yeah, so Carbonite Ultra, and it depends what you're looking at. So we've, we have our Carbonite Ultra and our Carbonite Black series. Carbonite Black will do up to 36 inputs, uh, 3 gig, so 1080p59. Carbonite Ultra has 24. But when you go into UHD, so if you are doing UHD, if you are doing that, you know, 3840 by, by 2160 raster, all of a sudden, you actually have eight 
18 inputs in Ultra. So there's 18 12 gig inputs. Got it. Two of which can either be single link 12 gig or they can do quad link. And that's how you get to the 24 BNC connectors in use when yep. you're in that, that mode. You also have format converters and frame syncs so you can up convert um, non-UHD mm -hmm. to, to UHD. With Carbonite Black, it's only a nine input UHD switcher. Because the Ultra is the newer generation of FPGA, we can run them at a faster speed. We, we get that IO, we have the single link connector. Sure. With the Carbonite Black series, it's um, it has to move the data in quad link. The raster is 2160. It's not processing quad link. It's, it's just it has to move it through the system because the data rates to the FPGA. That's the only uh, difference. Yeah. If, if UHD is not on your near-term plan, mm -hmm. then you're really just looking at your I.O. count. Yep. And that's the big difference between, say, a Carbonite Black and a Carbonite Ultra. With the Carbonite Ultra, you can go up to 3 MEs with 4 Mini MEs. Carbonite Black, up to 3 MEs, 4 Mini MEs. So the feature and functionality count um, is basically identical. It yep. comes to the I.O. Yep. The Carbonite Ultra, with those mini MEs, those are actually what kind of refer to as, as our second generation of mini ME. The first generation mini MEs, you could do a DVE in key one and any type of key in key two. Yep. And there's no true preview. In a Carbonite Ultra mini ME, you actually have full preview and there are two full function keyers. So if you wanted to do a chroma key on key one, you can. Gotcha. So that's the little bit of difference between the two. Um, and that's kind of a question also that always comes up. For some reason, people are like, well, I don't get it. What's a mini ME? Yes. Well, a mini ME is just a smaller ME. Right. You can do cuts and dissolves, and you have two keyers. Mm -hmm. That's what a mini ME is. Okay. Well, but we do so many utility things. Like how many times you're doing, you know, you're doing basketball. I got to put a DVE of the clock burn in the corner. Yep. Or I want the clock and I want the shot clock, so I need two DVEs, and I need it over the game camera. Well, you know, you get to that last minute. You, oh, I got to remember to recall a snapshot, and then I got to make sure that I send that out an aux bus that's going to the replay machine. Well, why can't I just have it set up on a mini ME and just, just leave always it have it? Yep. Right. So that's where mini ME's come in helpful because where I need one or two keyers. I'm not wasting ME resources yeah. or playing TD tricks using front side, back side of an ME. Oh, I'm going right. to stack it up, but then I got to make sure I keep my keyer, my next trans set up a certain way, and I can't actually dissolve a key because if I dissolve a key, it's going to show up over there. Yeah. Now, you get to more advanced higher end switchers, and you have things like split MEs if you have that feature. Yep. Or flexi key, if you have that feature, right? Right. That's the other problem. Is sometimes depends on what you're using, right? Yeah. Especially in the freelance world, bouncing around from truck to truck, flight pack to flight pack. Yep. Different, you know, what did they buy? What what features did they buy? Totally. Did they buy it? Did they license it? Oh, when I build my show, I'm used to having split Emmys. Right. Double take, multi program two. Right. Use all the vendors' different common yep. name for it. Yep. Well, if I don't have that, now I have to use previews and I have to like not break the program in the preview side right. and what kind of mistake am I going to make? Yeah. With mini MEs, 
that's where carbonite shines because I still have three full MEs and then these four mini MEs. And that's why people are like, so why? That's why. Yep. I want to pre-comp a chroma key. I don't have to go to an ME and burn an ME just for one exactly. key or to do a chroma key. I can comp it, have it set up. I want to do my two box. Um, they also are dynamically movable. They can go before MEs, between MEs, and they can even go downstream. Hmm. So if I wanted to take program and squeeze it back in a graphic, I don't have to go and feel, oh man, what a, oh, now I got to like take program and I got to make a split and I got to put a keyer and take program A and put that into the sub and then squeeze it back. Instead, you can just say, no, I'm going to take a mini ME, I'm going to put program into key one, right. squeeze it back, and then I've got that on an output. Exactly. And I can make a macro that switches the output. Yeah. Changes the output from program to mini ME4. Right. And that's part of my macro. Totally. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where Carbonite sits. Carbonite also has eight DVEs system-wide, right? It's got four channels of media store. One of the things that Ultra added, which was nice, is the media stores have dedicated alpha. So you're not using two channels of media store or frame store for fill and alpha. Yeah, previously it was M1 is going to take up M3 yep. or that kind of thing. Yep. And two one and three, four. two and four. Uh, on other vendors, they might do odd even pairs. Yep. One, two, three, four. Right. But whoever it was, it was always, yeah, you use two channels. Yeah. Here, the media stores now have a dedicated alpha channel. That's awesome. So that helps. Yeah. That most of what we use nowadays, it's all keyables. Mm -hmm. There's something involving an alpha channel. So it's just helpful that we can now get that little bit of, of extra horsepower out of it. Sure, sure. The Live TD Podcast is sponsored by Crew, the first industry-specific enterprise live TV crewing platform. Free beta testing is now available to college video departments, professional crewers, and all-in-one trucking crewing companies. Delete your spreadsheets and sign up with Crew. Head to crewing.com, that's C-R-U-U-I-N-G.com to sign up today. All right, so it sounds like the Carbonite just does, does a lot more, even though you might just have a two-stripe panel. You can control with custom controls uh, so much more than that. If you have an extra two half MEs, you can you know, be transitioning on auxes or doing whatever you yeah. need to do and not burning a whole resource. It sounds like that's a really unique uh, it, element. It is. It's, it's, it's a helpful thing. And it also, I mean, we have a broad range of of TDs, right? There's always a broad range. And as you're learning and you're coming on to things, there's so much. And when you split ME resources, there's a lot to keep track of. Mm -hmm. And when you've been doing it for a bunch of years, you know where your stuff is, you know how you sure. built it, you know what you can do. For some people though, it's like, I don't want to press a button because I can't break this. Yeah. Crap. Yeah. It's still tied together there's still pieces that are it's still a resource you may have broken it up but it's still one me yep and and you know it is whereas with the mini me's what we kind of did was say hey we recognize that most people don't need more than a couple of of keys in a lot of their effects mm -hmm. so if we just take one big me pre-break it up and make them four separate me's right then people are a lot more comfortable. They're like, 
I can change this over here. It will not break the thing I'm doing on that monitor. Yes. Because there is no association. That's right. memory for Mini ME4. That's memory EMEM for Mini ME1. Yep. They're totally different. So right. I'm, I'm safe. I'm safe. Right. You absolutely can control everything, custom controls and macros. Of course you can. And you can delegate the panel. So you can have buttons that you just press, right? There's all these user select buttons for mapping controls and functionality to the stripe, yep. right? So that's kind of what that second row of buttons is above the key bus is mm -hmm. I want aux delegation. I want mini ME delegation. I want ME delegation. Right. Yep. Yeah. So you've got that delegate set of buttons that takes one row and make it makes it whatever you need it to be for that time. Yep. Yeah. So very easy to switch over to say a mini ME and set up your two box and then take it as a source on your program ME or, uh, you know, just send it straight on an aux bus. Right. Right. So when does the Carbonite um, become not as good of a fit for a show as the Acuity is? What are they really unique? I know, obviously, it has a lot more cures. Talk about that. Um, but what are some other things that, under the hood, you become an Acuity-type show? You 100% you are IO. Yep. I mean, at the end of the day, sometimes we need big fan-ins. You know, the idea or the concept of sub-switching, you know, oh, change these things on a router. Right may or may not work for some. Sure. I've done plenty of productions where we've had big fan-ins, but in reality, half of them we don't use simultaneously. Yeah. So it's actually not as necessary as you it's, think. It's, you know, if you had good tight integration with a router yep. where you could fire a macro, it changes your assignment because you set up a macro that changes a whole bunch of routes. Right. The mnemonics and everything on your panel automatically update. Mm -hmm. Sure, you could because yeah, you go to halftime, you could dump all the stadium cameras because yeah, I don't need those. Right. I need the studio stuff now. Yes. So yeah, I could replace eight cameras on the fly because I could tell my router, oh, give me this this yep. group of inputs now. Yep. Do that part of the show, move back. But that's not to judge other people. That's sure. That's something that people who are in that medium range are stuck with. That's a way they can leverage. Totally. Say, hey, you know what? I can leverage my router. I can leverage my switcher. I can tie them together. I can make this work. Yeah. When your budget is larger and you can afford it, it's great because now I can have all the sources. I can have everything I need. The other thing is, is when you look at some of the large stadium venue events that we do or large staging events, mm -hmm. um, concerts, uh, and even um, corporate events that we're doing. Sure. They have these massive screens and multiple screens yep. and multiple destinations. And they're actually producing multiple shows, so to speak, mm -hmm. simultaneously from that one switcher. Yeah. So that's where people ask, they're like, you really sell 6ME and 8ME switchers? We do. H how is that even being used? And you're like, it's not being used as, you know, cascaded through of course not right. they're using a couple three me's like they always have for your main production yep but they're using all these extra me's and that's where that io also starts to come in into play sure now i may not on my linear type production be using all those inputs mm -hmm. but i might have these other ancillary inputs that are now feeding some of these other screens yeah now in the carbonite world i could also break that up we have our Mosaic product, which is built off of the Carbonite platform. 
which is for doing screen processing. Okay. Well, the main switcher controls those as, as screen processors. Well, we can also put multiples of those where sure. those are getting the sources that are needed. So like the extra graphics engines, the extra feeds that are only going to those displays as yeah. well as some outputs of the main production switcher right. to get program or a couple of aux buses if I'm doing a split feed or I'm doing like a big Barco wall in my studio yep. and I want to put four people up on a background and I've got all this pixel accurate video. Sure, I've got a bunch of um, expressions running in Tessera mm -hmm. that are doing all this pixel accurate graphic across this like four wide screen and then maybe I'm only sending four or six outputs from the switcher that are aux buses from the switcher. Yes. And so I'm recalling an event. So there, think of it as a distributed workflow. Well, in some of these venues, we have some mosaics doing that as well downstream of an acuity. But you can also take an acuity and say, okay, well, I'm running all of my screens from separate Emmys, and now I have a larger IO. Right. So I need more keyers, and I need more DVEs, and I need more media stores, and that's really where it comes in. Yeah. Where with Carbonite, the whole goal is to pack as much as we can into a single FPGA. Yep. And that's why everything is available to the switcher and is shared. It's not limited by interlink. It gets limited by IO because of what you can put into the FPGA. Exactly. So these are SIRDES and transceivers. How many inputs does it get? Because the actual cross point is internal to that FPGA. So there is no external chip as a crosspoint. When you go to Acuity, now you're into those multiple boards. Gotcha. There's a big board with a big honking 288 by 288 crosspoint. Yep. And then everything's a board that plugs in. But now every time I add an Emmy, I get eight keyers, I get 16 2D DVEs, I can get another four channels of 3D DVE, I can get four channels of media store with eight gigs of RAM cache, all of which go back into cross point right so on an 8me switcher you know you've got 36 channels 32 from the me's 4m4 from the global store but you have 36 channels of media store yep and you with can... what is that it's like eight times eight is 64 uh 68 gigabyte of ram cache right it's insane right tons there's yeah. all the things you can need and those can go everywhere yeah looping videos for days yeah, you're, you got your animations, you got your targets. So that's kind of, if I'm buying, where do I pick? It's, you're, you're picking for the, the task at hand. Yep. And we have a lot of customers as well that have Acuity and they have Carbonite in the same facility mm. because they have some smaller control rooms. Yep. They put in Carbonites. Right. Then they have the big main control room and they put in Acuities. Yep. Definitely. I, I know of NFL stadiums that run Acuity and their training facilities run Carbonite. Yep. And they love it because it's on the same network and they can still talk to them all using the ecosystem and uh, share resources and that kind of stuff um, just for the for the full ecosystem. So does the one question I have in Acuity versus Carbonite, is the soft panel on Acuity yet? There, there, there's been a, um, a web-based control panel since version 6. Okay. Uh, in version eight, in version eight, we added that you don't even need to run a separate, um, like server running as a satellite panel. You can point a web browser at the main panel. 
Okay. Now, as a TD, you can also disable that. So gotcha. in the personality menu, yeah. there is a virtual panel on off. Turn that off, yeah. So, yeah, because, okay, we're running and I don't want somebody to have access to it. Right. But you absolutely have access to, to a virtual panel. Um, with version uh, 9, uh, we even added usernames and passwords. So now, for somebody to connect anyway, they have to have a username and, gotcha. and password. So you can also set that up. Uh, you can change the default passwords. You've always been able to do that anyway, but now they also apply to the virtual panel and, and the UI. You wouldn't be able to log in without it. Right. Also through that user interface, you can also set up and just do like virtual shop boxes. So if you wanted to just give somebody, not a panel, but virtual shop boxes, wow. you can even do that. Yeah. Also, you can always use dashboard to send Ross talk commands to Acuity as well. Um, uh, and, uh, Soon, um, you'll even be able to natively use Ultra Touch. So Ultra Touch is our 2RU touchscreen dashboard-based control panel. Gotcha. Integrates with all the routers and everything, mm -hmm. and it's basically running dashboard. Uh, so Acuity will also be serving up, um, serving up because it's essentially an OGP gateway. Yep. It will also be shortly serving up um, not just Oxbus panels, but shopbox panels and things of that nature so that people can have you know touchscreen based devices but in the ecosystem yeah so it's kind of neat instead of having two panels that look the same one's for a router one's for a switcher you have everything yeah um you want to get to your router you want to get to a gear card and change proc amp parameters you want to change frame syncs wow all done from ultra touch yeah yeah it's that's amazing to have it all in one place um, so getting into, we get into a little bit of custom control editing and building out your show specifically for a Ross product, whether it be Carbonite or Acuity. Um, just talk a little about the f more of a, I think it's a flat environment in the sense that you're, you're, if you're on grass, like an EMEM or, uh, embedded in something like that's all kind of just happening in the custom control editing menu. So how's that really accomplished? Right. So... Our approach, I mean, we have emems, we call them memories, but yeah. we have emems in the traditional sense of snapshot, single keyframe emems, right? There's a thousand per, per emmy. So that's, that's there, that traditional thing. I set up a two box, save it to memory two, that understanding and concept. And it has full attributes so you can enable the recalling of certain pieces. If I just want to recall key one, key two, and not their sources, you have all those levels. Yep. So grass, they sub-levels, yep. that nature. We call it attributes, similar yep. to Sony. So you have that system. Our custom control macros is a timeline-level event system. When you look in the UI, especially on Acuity, not only do you have a list of an order on, on the right-hand side that shows you all the steps and it's very clear and concise and then mm -hmm. has a description, gives you tells you exactly what that thing is doing but you have a timeline that is showing you where you are and where as you move through that list where that item is is on your timeline yep. so you can see your pauses and your holds and you can see multiple events that are going to go out on the same frame what frame of of time yes um obviously comes out of the same frame um the key to it is the fact that state-based as well as button presses is all living in the same environment. Mm -hmm. So I can insert state. I can insert 
those behaviors like key on, key off at the same time where I can toggle a button or press a source. Right. You're also tying the menu functionality and the panel functionality. Everything lives in one environment, mm -hmm. device control. There isn't separate pieces that you tie together. So that's kind of where we've sim where we had simplified it through the years. Yeah. Of course, it makes it so that if you want to say the name to encompass everything for everybody, you say custom control timelineable event macros. Because people would be like, oh, no, macros. No, 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 no. I need timelines. Right. And you're like, no. That's because you are thinking of what a macro can do on Switcher XYZ. Yes. That's why it's actually custom controls. But mm -hmm. when some people see the basis of a custom control, they go, oh, that's a macro. Well, sure. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So we'll say custom control. We'll say macros. But yes, it's an event system that encompasses everything. Right. It's fully editable. Um, and also one of the things that's really unique is we can run on Acuity 28 of them simultaneously and we run 10 of them simultaneously on Carbon. Wow. Also, you can embed custom controls inside of other custom controls. Right. And that's a key piece to what we do. It's not copying the events. It is saying actually at this point in time, now kick off and start running this other custom control at the same time. I ran into the uh, the kind of the importance of that recently building on a different switcher where I just wanted to put a macro in a macro. And when I copied it over, I expected to see what I would be on yours. I would just see CC 105. But instead, I saw every single step that I had in the other macro, but it wasn't referencing it. And so that was for a client that was a little bit less confident with their building. And I really needed them to, I wasn't going to use that that method if it was just going to show a block of five steps like it needed to be that exact thing and so yeah i think that's crucial to making it happen for us where that also came from is the fact that you would get a knock a knock against you and and this goes back quite a few years there was there's the knock like oh it, it's so much faster to build over here mm. than to build there so it was how do you make it even faster then instead of being a me too okay fine how can we come at this and make it even faster to build? Well, if I build a replay wipe, and that's one macro, and now I go and I build my XYZ gold, silver, blue, and all that is is select the cross point, pause two frames, run that macro. Copy, paste, copy, paste, edit cross point. Okay, now next week our wipe changes. I change it in one place. I don't have to edit anything else. Sure. It just ripples through. So all of a sudden, that little paradigm we took further. Mm -hmm. So when we did the ESPN3 um, workflow stuff, we actually built all those using a lot of sub macros inside of or sub custom controls in other custom controls. There was a whole bunch of little uh, mini custom controls you know, CG key on, CG key off, program ME cut, program ME this. And yep. we built all these little pieces. And then in all of the other effects, they reference those 13 or 14 little mini macros. Mm -hmm. By doing that, it can be, they can deploy with the graphics set, they deploy a, a standardized kind of show file. And it doesn't matter whether I have a 1ME, a 2ME, a 3ME, it doesn't matter what it is doesn't matter where the inputs are or, oh, no, I use key four for this, so really I use key three. They go and they edit these 13 
mini macros, very yep. simple stuff, and repoint them, and now it ripples through their whole switcher. Sure. One of them is like, you know, graphics source. So all of a sudden you're like, okay, this one macro, all it does is it sets what source it's to use for, for the graphics key. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe you're using channel two, not channel one. Right. Maybe you're using a different input. Maybe whatever it could be, we actually built it so that it was the quickest way to take something and you could just knock out the show real fast. Right. So from a building standpoint, we've made it so now I can start to incorporate other custom controls without having to copy over the steps. Yep. And if I go and I edit it, it just ripples through. Right. And I don't have to do anything. Yep. That will do it for part one of our Ross video conversation with Les O'Reilly. Stay tuned for part two and let me know if you have follow-up questions for Les by tweeting me at LiveTDJustin or sending a message to Justin at LiveTD.com. Thanks for listening to the Live TD podcast and we'll see you down the line.